Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone, wherever you're listening from. Welcome back to Sophie's Stories, the podcast bringing you original handcrafted stories like the olden days right into your ear holes. So it's a new week. It's a new day. Welcome to your Monday. I sincerely hope that your Monday is good and you're ready for the new week to start. I, for one, am super excited and I cannot wait to bring you today's episode. So, welcome back to any returning listeners and thank you so much for returning. It's lovely to have you here again. I can't see you, um, nor can I hear you, but I'm, I'm glad you're there if you are. <laughs> And welcome to any new listeners. Now, new listeners, listen up, (laughs) as if you aren't already, it is a podcast. Um, But this is part two of my new Monday series called By the Sword. Now, of course, you can listen to this story if you'd like to. Um, Probably pretty all right, standalone, but... For the optimum experience, I would highly recommend, if you're so inclined, to have a little look at the first episode, which is By the Sword Part 1, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and of course, Deezer. And so go and have a wee catch up of that one if you'd like to listen to Part 1 before you listen to Part 2, as was intended. But um, if you don't, I'm glad you're here anyway. So, without further ado, I'm very, very excited to bring you part two of this story. So, sit back, relax, live your best life, and enjoy. By the Sword, part two. After a few minutes, we were up to our ankles in mud and painfully out of breath. I began to tug at Agnes's wrist as the pain from my ankles and arm caught up with me. Agnes slowed down and turned to face me, glaring over my shoulder as she asked if I was all right. I nodded in response trying to breathe and turned around to check that there was nothing behind us. I was relieved for a second that there wasn't, but knew it wouldn't last for long. I had a plan, but I was too tired to tell her yet. Tell her that I had a plan, that everything would be fine. But I was so tired. When I really thought about it, I hadn't slept in at least 48 hours. I saw the panic in her face, lit only by the moonlight, and got myself together. Bundling my feelings hurriedly into corners and cabinets in my mind, away and safe, and I stood up properly. I placed my hands on her shoulders and looked at her pointedly. Okay, I started. There's an oak tree 
a little further into the forest with a door covered in leaves at the bottom. We need to get there as soon as we can. It'll get us out of here. What I didn't tell her was that the tunnel it led to was also connected to the palace. And if anyone had the foresight to use it, we would be as good as turkeys at Christmas. She nodded and put her arm around my shoulders and the other around my waist as she helped me forward. We stumbled through the trees and came to a small, damp clearing with a large oak tree standing in the middle. The darkness had grown the further in we walked, but we could see vague outlines of foliage at its white, wide base. We stumbled a few more steps and I fell to my hands and knees, rummaging through the pile of leaves on the soft floor. After a few painstaking seconds, I finally felt the promising, sturdy wood planks at the bottom of them. I located the metal ring pull and gave it a resounding tug. As I did this, the flesh on my arm where the wound was tearing felt extremely sharp and I could also feel the bleeding start again. My arm felt a little heavy as I realised the arrow was still lodged in it. I let out a pathetic whimper as the tunnel door barely budged, quickly plastering my palm over my mouth to stifle it. Agnes crouched down beside me and moved over a little, taking over. She swiftly plunged her hand down to the handle and firmly pulled it open. As we both stared down into the opaque abyss, we could feel a cold breeze rising into our faces. The darkness sent a shiver down my spine and I stayed still. Whilst Agnes put her bag across her body and readied herself to enter the tunnel. I'll go first, I said, looking up at her. First things first, she replied. Let's get that horrible thing out of your arm. I winced at her suggestion as she looked down on me kindly. I slowly spun around so that my back was facing her. She gently placed her hands around the base of the arrow and slowly began to shift it from side to side and pull. The only way I could describe rusting metal inside my flesh was grim. It scratched on the inside of my limb amongst the muscle and fascia. On the last tug, she removed it from me completely and one of the sharpened edges caught on the wound on its way out. She tore off an edge of the maid's tunic and wrapped it around the top of my arm. When she was finished, she patted me lightly and stood up again. I couldn't look at her for a second as I fought to keep the discomfort off my face. I gathered myself together and stood up too, 
still not saying a word, and began to lower myself down the steps and into the tunnel backwards. My boots tapped over the stone stairs, slightly silken with moss as I made my way down slowly. I was having a creeping feeling of being watched. I assumed this was not truly a physical occurrence, rather paranoia, farmed by years of close conservatorship my whole life. Some for the better, and some for the worse. The tunnel was cold, like being lowered into a walk-in fridge. Once I had completely lowered myself into the dark pit below me, the stone floor met the ball of my foot comfortingly. The cold air was close at the bottom and I attempted to look around me, but saw nothing. I stood still for a moment, trying to use my hearing to decipher if there was anyone else down here. I waited. And I waited. Still no obvious sounds, but of course I was wary, being, for all intents and purposes, blind. I quietly whispered from the bottom of the tunnel to Agnes, who began to make her way down to join me. As she shuffled down the stairs, I created a shield with my body that would cover her once she reached the bottom. She closed the door on her entry, so... There was no sign of any light now. She slid down to the ground to join me and our bodies slid over one another's comfortably. I'd missed having her so close. I just wished we weren't wearing so many clothes. I had to stop myself from turning this small interaction to something bigger and try to stay focused in the dark. The tunnel led both away from the stairs and further underneath the woods, and it also wrapped around a corner and led straight back to the castle. When I was a child, I would come down here to play and often scratched little pictures in the stone like cave drawings. I slid my hand down the side of the wall and located one such masterpiece of a dog tracing my fingers over it to confirm what it was. Ears, face, tail. This was it. And it was on the side of the tunnel that led away from the castle. So I knew we were headed in the right direction. Every couple of steps, I was frozen with anxiety, thinking I was hearing sounds from the castle end of the tunnel. We both stopped every time and held our breaths when this happened, as if it would accelerate our hearing. I was hoping that we were just being overly cautious. I'm sure Agnes was too. The tunnel was damp and the air was so close. After walking for a little while, you started to feel noticeably out of breath like we'd been buried alive and were slowly suffocating. Occasionally, a drop of water would peel off from the ceiling or the arch in the walls beside us and truly 
reposition you into fight or flight mode. We started to notice the floor below us begin to ramp upwards and the space between our feet and the clearance above our heads grew smaller. We bent down a little as we walked and eventually came to the end of the tunnel. We both stopped for a second, collecting ourselves after our hastened walk. Agnes held onto my arm, as if she'd let go we'd never find each other again. I left my right arm for her to hold and started to search for the handle of the wooden door, slightly above our heads. I panicked for a few seconds, not being able to find it, when the door suddenly swung open and at least 20 sets of glaring eyes looked back at us. The intensity with which the door swung open caused dust and dirt to fly up into our faces and I fought to keep my eyes open to see who was on the other side. We were at the tavern. The eyes looking back at us were gleaming with a few drinks sparkling in each of them as pure astonishment leaked out. It occurred to me that they were now in the company of two princesses one exiled and one currently reigning. The gossip shared at the market tomorrow morning would be deliciously salacious. Imagine you went to buy your master's loaf and heard that story. Anyway, Agnes and I started to climb out of the tunnel and into the tavern. It was warm with bodies and food being served and smelt significantly better than the tunnel below it. We dusted ourselves off and a woman closed the door to the tunnel, throwing a chain through the hoop on the handle and securing it with a bulky padlock. She hurried around to stand in front of us both and started. Your Highness says, you're welcome here. I'm sure you won't be staying too long, but you're welcome to anything we have while you're here. We were lucky. I mean, one exiled princess was enough, but two princesses in a relationship, that was a whole other matter. I mean, no one really knew that was true, but I'm sure some of them didn't care if it was true or not and hated the idea anyway. But thankfully, I wasn't standing here with a dagger to my throat and neither was Agnes which was a blessing in any case. Thank you. We just need something to drink. If you have any water and some bread, if you've got any, but, but we don't mind. The woman looked at me with slight surprise in her eyes, nodded and tapped her nose as she walked away from us. We stood in the middle of the tavern and most people turned their back and continued with their frivolities. One older man was still staring at us from the corner, but I grabbed Agnes's hand and turned around towards the bar, and we took a seat each on the high stools. Agnes untangled herself from her bag and let it drop to the floor. 
She slumped and wriggled in the chair as she tried to unwind her back from the weight of it. She'd been living a pretty comfortable life for the last little while and probably forgot what it was like to carry any physical weight. I will add, though, she'd been living in my old bedroom, so I was feeling a little jealous. It was where I grew up, after all, and there was very little chance I would ever have the pleasure of enjoying its homely comforts ever again. After a few minutes of unwinding from our stressful evening, the barkeep returned with two large bowls of hot lentil soup and placed them in front of us at the bar. She pulled out a large loaf of brown bread and placed two steins of water beside each of them. I felt like I'd never seen so much food in my life. I looked over at her and smiled tiredly. She smiled back and said, enjoy ladies. As she made her way back into the kitchen that was obscured by the bar front. I looked over at Agnes and both of our eyes spoke to each other in excitement as we grabbed a spoon and a piece of bread each and launched into our steaming bowls of soup. We scooped up the soup with whatever came closest at hand, the spoon, the bread, our mouths, like pigs to a trough. Caring not about the obvious stares coming from behind and around us. Fighting for your life makes you surprisingly hungry. The hot soup sliding down my throat warmed me up as it reached my stomach and gave me a glorious glow as it did. I could feel my cheeks come over rosy and hot and all was right with the world. At least for now. The hours ticked by pleasantly as we mingled with various townspeople. I had met some of them on the way towards the castle and was sad to be leaving some of them, particularly one woman behind. She was a little short, slightly stout and donned a pair of friendly brown eyes that stole your attention from anything else when she spoke to you. Her name was Heather. I'd say she was middle-aged, but truly, who was I to judge, being ready to hit my thirties myself? When I arrived here the first time, sans Agnes, she was the only person who knew who I was and stopped the other customers from seeing me out. I knew this tavern to have a reputation for loyalists to the old crown, the one my father had once worn. And I was not disappointed by the company I'd found here. Heather spoke to Agnes and I for what seemed like minutes as we laughed and she told stories of her days working as a cook at the palace. She happened to be the brainchild behind my favorite dessert which childishly made me want to spend more time with her. We'd moved over to a bigger table with her and her husband, who was a quiet, happy looking man, seemingly just coming along for the ride. 
As Heather continued with her stories, the tiredness washed through my body at regular intervals and I knew I needed to sleep very soon. In fact, I couldn't be sure I wasn't sleeping, just with my eyes open. As they glazed over, I caught the attention of the old man who had been staring at us upon our entry. He had a mean look on his face as he nursed what I assumed was the same beer he had when we got here. As I watched him wallow in his own self-pity, I continued with marked interest as a little boy, no older than ten, wandered over to him slowly. As the boy walked past, I saw the man toss him a coin and the little boy hurried out of the back door of the tavern, leaving it open behind him and running into the forest. The man stayed at his seat and took a swig of what I can only assume was lukewarm beer and stared at the table some more. I let my eyes glance back over to Heather as she smiled and continued chatting with Agnes. Some more time passed. I couldn't be sure if it was two minutes or ten when my mind began to wake up again due to a nagging thought entering it slowly from an unknown origin. It was late. Why was he paying the boy? The child never returned and my eyes widened as I slowly realised what had happened here. Fear spiked through my tired body and I threw a glance to Agnes, who didn't notice as she giggled away. I was still staring at the door, wide open, giving me a glimpse of the dark trees floating in the midnight breeze. As I looked over the tavern once again, I saw the old man staring right at me, his top lip curled up into a snarl. I tried to stave off a panic attack as I tapped Agnes to get her attention as subtly as I could. After finishing her sentence, she turned to me and must have seen the look on my face and the blood drained from hers. I leaned over to her slightly and whispered, They know we're here. Oftentimes, townspeople would pay children a coin or two to bring information to the palace. They would get a second payment and then the informant and the child would half the profits. I'd seen it happen many times from both inside and outside the safety of our reign and I couldn't deny it had happened here either. Agnes turned back to Heather and tried to give her a small, kind smile, but it was so forced she looked like a ventriloquist doll. I leant over the table to Heather and said, Don't do anything, but we need to leave, and we need to leave now. Heather's genuine smile dropped from her face and she listened to me intently. Please stay here for a while, if you can, and we'll go together. She nodded slightly 
and ask quietly, Where are you going to go? I knew I couldn't tell her. Nothing was safe here now. I glanced over at her husband, who looked uncomfortable to have been dragged into this, and whispered, We'll find our way. Don't worry about us. She took my hand and said, Stay safe, Your Royal Highness. Agnes and I left the table, trying not to cause too much fuss, as I directed Agnes, You go out the back door, and I'll go out the front. We'll meet on the south-facing side of the building and leave, okay? She nodded and headed off to the empty door where the little boy had exited. As I watched her leave, I headed for the other door, seeing that the boy had returned a couple of seconds after Agnes left. I sped out of the front door and ran to the back of the building. At first, I couldn't see Agnes until I heard a psst, psst coming from the bushes. I located the source of the noise and saw Agnes hidden behind a tree. She held out her hand to me and pulled me towards her behind it. She had me in a vice-like grip and we both stayed unmoving for a second in the silence. She slowly released her grip and looked at me through the darkness. Is he gone? She mouthed. I mouthed back. There was an old man over there trying to watch for me. I inched back slightly and saw the man standing in amongst the trees, still and gaunt, staring right at us. It made something inside me shift in a fundamental way. What was his problem? I decided I didn't want to find out and clasped my hand around Agnes's and we both made off deeper into the forest. I couldn't stop thinking of the old man staring at us as we ran, our shins and knees getting smacked by various branches as we tried our best not to break any limbs in the dark. I had spent many long hours in these woods as a child, foraging for mushrooms and watching tiny birds build homes in the trees. In the height of summer, you could see 10 or more butterflies in one day, weaving through the long shoots of grass and wildflowers. Now, all I could see were lumps and bumps creating dark, menacing shapes amongst the thin, angular trees. Coupled with the sound of Agnes and I gasping for breath like aged hounds trying to climb a staircase. I had to be honest with myself now. I didn't know where we were going. I couldn't see any of the paths in the dark, and I was just hoping we were going further away and not closer to the palace. I couldn't hear anything behind or around us, so I decided to stop for a second. My body was heavy with fatigue. My legs felt like they had just run a race and I had lost. 
I could feel my body giving up and was finding it difficult to stay awake in the dark and quiet with Agnes by my side. She stopped too and turned round to comfort me. It felt so good to have her arms around me, but I couldn't decide whether I felt happy she was by my side or guilty that I'd endangered her too. I just hoped she felt it was worth it and wasn't silently cursing me with every moment that went by. She stood beside me, hugging me, taking away a few of my worries with every squeeze. She encouraged me to take a couple of steps forward with her and we slowly continued as if we were joined at the hip. My eyelids were heavy like they were weighed down by string with bricks on the end of it. I shrugged a little to try and gently encourage Agnes to take her hands off me. I couldn't stay awake with her comforting me like this. She patted me and took her arms away as she let out a small sigh and started. Thank you for coming for me. I know you're worried and... We're going to be worried sometimes, but we'll be okay, one way or another. That last part sounded ominous, but I got the gist. I smiled into the dark for a second and looked back towards the path we were walking along. I could see something disrupting the clean lines of trees and foliage. Was that smoke? Something steam-like weaved through the trees and seemed to differ in colour from the rest of the darkness. I stopped and popped my arms out across Agnes's midriff to stop her from walking forward and directed her towards the strange vision in front of us. We couldn't hear anything, but we slowly edged towards it. As we got closer, we could smell fresh wood burning. We came to what seemed to be the end of our current path and found ourselves at the edge of a ditch about 10 feet deep. We took a second to look at each other and decided to peer over the edge carefully. In amongst the leaf coloured pit and lit up by a small billowing fire were two tents. Out of instinct, I invited Agnes away from the edge quickly and held on to her. We both stared at each other in confusion. We walked away behind a small wall of hedges and hid from view, trying not to make any noise by cracking stray twigs underfoot. We crouched down behind the bush and waited for a second before saying anything. Agnes started. Do you recognise them? When I was a child, part of my formative years were spent on soldiers training expeditions into the forest, mainly because I wouldn't stop bothering my father if I was told I couldn't go. We often camped out, not far from the palace and well within the kingdom's boundaries. But 
I couldn't be sure that's where we were now. They had also changed since Agnes's father had taken over. So I wouldn't even know where the new boundaries were, even if I could see or knew where we were now. Both pieces of information I did not currently have. I shook my head as I realised I would have to go and look again if I wanted to get any useful information from the scene. I wondered who else it could be, if not soldiers. But, of course, it could also be a trap to recapture Agnes. I couldn't recall seeing the fire burning from further off in the distance. What would be the point in getting up in the middle of the night to light a fire? It wasn't overly cold tonight, and this action would have been risky. Attracting animals, attracting people, and also just from a safety perspective if it got windy. I didn't want to leave Agnes alone, but... I also didn't want to bring her into the lion's den if I didn't have to. I took a few more seconds to decide what to do and landed on bringing her. The thought of leaving her by herself ignited a pang of anxiety in me when I thought about it. I took her by the hand and we both started off at a glacial pace towards the ditch. We walked around the edge to a small ramp that led down into it. We lowered ourselves into it and carefully edged towards the camp. The tents were a dark beige colour and probably held two or three people each. There were mugs and empty plates strewn on the ground around the fire. As we walked into the space between the two tents, I looked over towards one of the openings of the tent closest to us, which was tied closed. There was a small pile of armour and clothing stationed by the entrance, and on the back of the red tunic was Agnes's family crest. I tried to hold in my panic and turned to Agnes directing her to the pile of uniforms outside the tent. Her eyes widened and we both carefully turned and began to make our way back up the shallow ramp. Agnes's foot crunched over a large branch and it cracked. We both winced and stopped immediately. I turned to see no disturbance in amongst the tents and we turned back and carried on. We had almost reached the top when the silence in the forest hit us uncomfortably. And as we reached the edge of the ditch, ready to step out, a voice came from behind us, saying slyly, Leaving so soon, ladies? And that, my lovely listeners, is the end of part two 
of By the Sword. I feel like I'm always leaving you guys on tender hooks. The cliffhangers are rife. Um, but I really, really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I'm thoroughly enjoying writing um, this story. I have a serious little penchant for, uh, please correct me if I pronounced that wrong, that was absolutely fair enough if I did. Um, <laughs> uh, I have a serious thing for writing sort of medieval or period stories. I love watching stuff like that and uh, reading stuff like that too. So it's really, really fun to write it. But I have a question for you this week and I'd love to hear your thoughts. So who do you think the old man is? Um, there might be a reveal later on in the series, but I'd love to hear who you think he is right now. Um, so yeah, let me know if you've got any ideas or any feelings, any instincts. But for today's episode, that is the end. As I said, really hope you enjoyed it. If you are a new listener, you can find all of my other podcasts. I have two other series stories that are completed and many, many other um, short stories which you can listen to. Um, my short stories are released every Friday and my two series stories release on Mondays and Wednesdays. So most of the time there's three episodes a week. If that factors into your decisions at all, I know it does with me because I consume content like nothing else, especially if it's a podcast I like. Um, but yes, I really hope you enjoyed today's story. You can find all of my other podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Deezer. You can also follow me on Instagram at Sophie's Stories Podcast. And I recently delved into the pool that is TikTok. Um, you can find me on there by the same screen name at Sophie Stories Podcast and have a look at some of the little shorts I do. Um, I also release teasers and things like that on both of those platforms. So if you would like to see some of that before the episode comes out, then definitely give me a follow. But that is the end of today's episode. I hope you all have a spectacular week. Live your best lives. Love yourself lots. And finally, I hope you stay curious. Bye, guys. Thank you.